0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. Well, we're kicking off a series uh, today. Uh, We're going to be spending the next six weeks on uh, on looking at this concept of information. And you know I love puns and I love wordplay. And so here is this concept because... We are, as the children of God, should be in formation. That we should be being formed continually by the influence and the work of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, because the truth is, is that, is that is what maturity looks like. Spiritual maturity, spiritual growth is about being formed by God. Um, but in that, in our formation we need some information because there are things that we just don't know. And growing up and one of the first signs of maturity is recognizing that there are things that you don't know that you don't know. It's one thing to somebody to say, um, you know, how far is it between, from the earth to Jupiter? And you ask me that and I would say, I don't know because I have an awareness of the fact that I don't know that. But there's, there are moments in life where there are things we are unaware that we are ignorant. And those are the places that are the most dangerous. And one glaring thing that, that, uh, illustration of that is that when there was the, the full-on mask requirement across everywhere here in San Angelo, and you went out in public, and everybody had to wear a mask. And so, you know, we're going and doing that. And, you know, I grew up on the old Westerns, you know, you know, where, you know, the bad guy would take his bandana and he would pull it up over his face and he would go in and tell the, you know, the person at the bank, give me all your money. And uh, so then they would go in and then they would go out and pull their mask down and nobody knew who they were. They're like, I don't know. They were wearing a mask. And then. Man, when everybody's wearing masks and you're going to H-U-B and Walmart and Lowe's and all of those different things and you're passing somebody in the aisle, I'm like, those movies were a lie because I know who you are. I see you with your mask on and I know it's you. Those masks are worthless. It is not true, and and so and I'm just going around and just this idea that that's just silly and dumb that that masks don't help us at all in not being able to be recognized. I knew it was you there at H E B, and so and be able to say and be able to say hi to one another in spite of the masks, Um, and so all of my information that I was getting was when I recognized that I recognized. Somebody with their mask on here was the problem. And some of you are thinking it right now pastor. You're a jerk Because I saw you at H-E-B and you walked past me like you didn't even know me And now you're saying you could recognize people with their masks on and You ignored me on purpose and I'm done with this church in fact, I'm about to walk out. Please don't <laughs> and uh, and so, but you said that here was the problem, is I only had one vein of information. When my brain put it together that I recognized you even with your mask on, then I chalked it up to that place that I recognized you and your mask on. Here's the problem, is there are tons of people I walk past that I didn't recognize, and I did not know it was them, and I never knew I didn't recognize them. So there was a whole other data flow that it should have been factored into my conclusion that I did not have access to, because I did not know what I did not know. So all I did was have one vein of in one flow of information and came to a an assumption based on what I knew. But there are some of you who will go, yeah, I know that don't work, because or else you totally blew me off at Walmart. And uh, because I just did not have access to that information. As we are in a place of spiritual growth, there are things that we can try to analyze ourselves. And there will be a certain amount of information that we go, okay, yes, I'm moving forward in Christ-likeness or I'm not. The problem is, is there's a whole flow of information you don't have access to. You don't see it. You don't recognize it. You don't get it. You're not seeing it from God's perspective. And that's why we see in a place where Paul says, I don't even judge myself. Because Paul came to the mature recognition that he did not know what he doesn't know. And therefore, because there's a flow of information that we need to be able to get to the right conclusion, and we simply can't access it on our own, we need another source of information. And that is what the work of the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The work of the Holy Spirit is a voice that is able to see with clarity, be able to, to speak to us outside of our own pain, outside of our own winds, outside of our own experiences, outside of our own intention. We've all had those moments to where we have an encounter with somebody and, and we're in the middle of doing something and somebody asks us a question and then we simply state a fact back to them. And then they, you didn't have to bite my head off. Like, I wasn't rude. I wasn't rude. Like, Man, you were rude. You were a jerk. You just, need to you just need to chill out. Well, the thing is, is you were in your flow. You were, had your thing, you handed out the information but it came off in a certain way to somebody else. But your intention was not to be angry. Your intention was not there. And you judged your action based on your own intention. But there was another vantage point. There was another view and you would have never picked up on. And sometimes somebody else has to come in and say, you know what, I was kind of a fly on the wall and that was kind of a jerky response. Like, okay, well, maybe I need to dial it down a little bit. Maybe I need to change my tone of voice. Maybe I need to shift things around. And so in this space, as we move into this series, one of the first things I want us to do is to let go of the idea that we can judge ourselves accurately. Let's just let go of that. Otherwise, what we will do is we will look at ourselves through our own intentions. We will look at ourselves through what we think is, it needs to be modified or what we think doesn't need to be modified. And we will not give room for the Holy Spirit to bring a fresh perspective. So as we are moving forward in this series, the, the groundwork of this, this does not work unless we give room for the Holy Spirit to bring a fresh perspective In our lives. And then getting into the notes that to truly move forward in God, we we must let him form our lives. Here's the problem is we won't let him form what we don't know needs to be formed. And then if we're unaware it needs to be formed, then we will just hold that back in reserve. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now this has a lot of of Hebrew language in it and, and this is looked at this contempl- this idea that there was a veil between God's presence and the rest of humanity and it says okay now Jesus has removed the veil and we can begin to think about that's what contemplate means we're thinking about God his goodness his nature and as we begin to think about God's goodness and God's nature and who he is that is where the transformation comes in here's the problem we tend to just think about ourselves a lot we tend to about think about ourselves and we need to shift our attention and begin to contemplate him. And as we contemplate his glory, his goodness, what he thinks about a subject, what he thinks about what's going on in our lives, we begin to contemplate him. That's where the transformation begins to come in. And it happens with ever increasing glory. As soon as we let the master craftsman begin to to create his strokes in our lives, that very first stroke of a master craftsman is glory. And then we let him do another one, and it's another piece of glory. It's another piece of wonderful perfection in our lives, and it is ever increasing. And so many times we can simply look at our defeats and our struggles. And so, but we are able to come to God just as we are. Well, one of the things is that spiritual formation, like I said, it can be an intimidating subject. And so, we're just going to go ahead and take this back to preschool. And take it and make it a little more accessible, okay? Now, if we're gonna be formed, one of the things that uh, we think about formation is good old Play-Doh. And I know you can all smell this with me. Even though you can't smell it, you can smell it. It is one of those nostalgic smells. And so, and and if you want to, you could even pull a chunk off and eat it. Because it's non-toxic, a little salty, but non-toxic. And so, but we've all had those moments to where we have we understand plato we loved it as a kid cuz you know we could sit there and be able to utilize it and and and, and shape it shape it and form it and here's what's the cool thing is when we come to god we can come to him in a way where we think we've got a pretty good form started all right god i can't perfect this but i'm doing pretty good go ahead and take over you know what? And we feel like, man, we've kind of got a handle on things. And then, man, and then we can come to God like, I don't even know what this is. Um, Lord, here's, here's me. Um, there you go. And one of the first things we need to understand is that when we, are, we can do be this in his hand or we can be this in his hand, the, pro- the thing is, is we need to be in his hand. Okay? We need to be in his hand. And if we think we have to become something before we can be in his hand, we will stay isolated for too long. We will stay over here if we think we've got, oh, well, let me just, let me get my act together just a little bit better. Pastor, I'm going to come to church, but man, I, I got to deal with some stuff and, and let, let, let me try. Okay, that, that looks a little bit better. Now I can be put in God's hand. You know what all of this over here was? Wasted time. It was wasted time. The time that counts is the time in his hand. That's the time that counts. That's what goes. Because you know what's produced over here with us trying to fix it and make ourselves ready to be in God's hands? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is the only thing that's being formed over here. Not real righteousness, self-righteousness. But when we come over here, we let God begin to make things right. So we have to establish that we can come to him however we are. Maybe even like in two pieces. Like, Lord, I'm not exactly sure how this happened, but this is kind of me. And um yeah, here you go. And so we can come to him that way and we have to be able to understand that we do that. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God's work, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is a truth we hang on to with all our might, that God can work all things to the good of those who love him. And we can take our misshapen, out of shape, abused and hurt lives and go put them into the master craftsman's hand. And then he begins to take that and he begins to form and shape. And then we see some of those broken places and we see some of those things come in and begin to take a beautiful shape. And he begins to take that thing that we thought was a mistake and something that was broken and he begins to do something. And then now all of a sudden we're like, oh, that's kind of looking like a turtle. And so, and we begin to see him begin to do something in our lives. And then what can happen is we can see something recognizable and useful begin to come out of some place of brokenness and think that he actually created the brokenness because he's doing something functional with it. And we'll begin to attribute things to him. Some of our hurts, some of our pains, some of the things that were not of him at all. But once we've put, we've put ourselves in his hands, he begins to do that. All of a sudden, your place of pain becomes a place of ministry. And you're like, oh, okay, well, then my, my, my pain, that God must have done that so I, could, so I could love on people who are going through the same thing. No, no, here's the thing, is in God's hands, nothing is wasted. He doesn't go, oh, wow, that was a mistake. You can't work with that. Uh, No, 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 sorry. Whoa, that whole 10 years of your life, what were you doing? Um, Okay, now maybe I can work without him. No, he's not doing that. He is so good. He takes the fullness of our lives, and then he can begin to shape all of it. God can take all of that stuff and work it to good, but he did not cause all of it. He is the author of health and life only. In fact, let's look at this in the message translation. Romans eight twenty eight says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. He works it into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original an intended shape of our lives there in him. We begin to see, when we look at Jesus, we begin to see the original and intended shape of our lives. He is taking us into the direction of his son. And here's the other thing we can't do, is we can't go, oh, but that's Jesus, and this is me. You know what this word says? It's, God is moving us into the direction of his son. He is shaping us in that. We shouldn't just sit there and say, oh my goodness, that's Jesus. And not that we will ever in this lifetime ever fully arrive at that place. We are all in, trans- in transformation and being formed. But we are moving in that direction if we will let him form us in his lives. We are all being shaped. Psalms 119.41 says, let your love God shape my life with salvation exactly as you promised, exactly as you promised. See, one of the beautiful things of salvation is it is this deep word. And it it talks, it's not just being rescued from immediate peril. But salvation is this place of not just being rescued and that you were there on the edge of the cliff and you were hanging on by your fingernails and somebody comes over there and picks you up and and gets you off the edge and then just sets you right back there on the cliff and then walks away and leaves you alone we would say that that person had experienced a level of salvation the immediate peril is over but the fullness of salvation is God doesn't do that he's like okay now let's go and let's get you cleaned up let's get you a shower you're pretty sweaty you're pretty nasty let's go over here and let's get your your belly full let's go over here and let's get you set up at home okay your car is out of gas let me fill that up God begins to work and he begins to bring the full restoration of our lives he doesn't just take us out of our immediate peril set us on some little place of, of thing and say, okay, now I'm done with you. No, salvation, what he is doing in our lives is bringing a full restoration. And a lot of times, especially with us in life, is we can be at work and him be sitting here and taking pieces, or we, we will take pieces and lose different things as we move through life. We had a heartbreak in high school. We had a dream fall apart on us. We had these different things, we begin to look back and there's these little moments where we feel like we've just lost pieces of ourselves along the way. And then we come to God and we say, okay, God, this is kind of all I have left and you can have that. This beautiful thing of salvation, of restoration is that he begins to come in and we will find that these places that we thought were gone forever, he begins to bring restoration. He begins to to do these things. These relationships that we thought were fractured forever, God can begin to make a new thing out of that. Those dreams that we thought were gone forever, he begins to come back and shape and add them back. Those things that we thought that we would never be able to live out or accomplish, all of the heartbreaks, all of those different things, he begins to bring restoration. That is what restoration begins to look like in our lives. See, to be formed by God, We must not let anything behind us distract us from what God desires to do in us. Philippians chapter 3 says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing is Paul recognizes that his life is not perfect, that that things are fractured and broken in his own life. And he's recognizing that as he is writing scripture as he's writing scripture he's being inspired by the holy spirit as he is not yet i am so thankful paul was willing to take his unperfected life and put it in the hands of god and allowed to be used as a minis- as a tool for ministry and in that unperfected thing, we get a piece of the perfect word of God out of an imperfect vessel of Paul. That's why we can't sit there and look back and say, you know what, there's too much broken, there's too much off, I I can't be used of God in that way. And we can look at behind us and feel like that 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 weight is weighing on us. No, Paul understood that that was there. Maybe that's part of your story, but that story doesn't limit you. It is a chapter. It's not the full story. And you need to be willing to let God work and create this new, beautiful chapter. Hebrews eleven fourteen 14 and 15 says, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. If they would have been thinking about that, he's talking about the, the Hebrew people coming out. Of Egypt and man they had multiple moments that they wanted to return that they wanted to return and here is our problem is we will sit there and we will put ourselves in his hand and then there'll be something that begins to pull us back and so every day it's saying Lord I want to be formed by you every day Lord I want to be formed by you every day Lord I want to be formed by you because if we begin to focus on something in the past, we will get drawn back into that. That's why we get back into old habits, old patterns, old, old addictions, old all mindsets and ways of thinking. We get drawn back into that space over and over and over again. This also means, though, that we can't stop at what we define as failure or as victory. Luke 9, 62, Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Nobody, nobody who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service. We can't be sitting there and thinking about all of that stuff, whether it's look, looking back and go, look at how perfect a row I'm plowing. Isn't that amazing? I guarantee you, you're immediately going off track. Or you say, man, the, oh, man, I messed that up. Oh, I'm now I messed this up. Oh, I messed up. No, he said, no, you just have to look forward. You just have to be able to move forward. You can't look behind you. You have to be like pilots. There are no rearview mirrors in an airplane. Because it is sitting there and you're just moving forward. It's all about what's coming at you. It's all about what is ahead. Matthew. 17, 3 and through 5. It says, And just then, this is the Mount of Transfiguration. There appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to, to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Well, yeah, that's just pretty amazing. Jesus is transfigured. He's in his heavenly form. And Moses and Elijah, two rock stars of the Hebrew faith, are right there. This is a pretty amazing thing. Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was having the most amazing experience of his life, and his response to it was let's just stay right here. Let me put up three shelters. Let me build a temple right here. It literally, it can't get any better than this. I see you in your heavenly form. Moses and Elijah are right here too. It literally, it can't get any better than this. Let's just camp out right here. Let's build it right here. He's having an amazing experience. He's having an amazing victory and wants to stay there. So many times we can sit there and go, you know what, all right, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, no. No, that, 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 that's perfect, God. Yeah, that's perfect. Just, just leave it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, we have to let him continue to move forward. Thankfully, Peter didn't get the last word, and it says, and while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped him, and then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased, listen to him, listen to him. That is how we continue to move forward. Peter was about to be stuck in his experience and the answer was listen to Jesus. How do we not be stuck at a win or a loss? We keep listening to Jesus. That was the coaching Heavenly Father from, from, from heaven said to him. and It is our same coaching. It is our same guidance is listen to Jesus. Keep, <clears throat> keep listening to him. See, but we can also trust God to form us because he is the one who can, who is, can both start and finish it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, let us keep looking to Jesus. He is the author of faith. He also makes it perfect. He paid no attention to the shame of the cross. He suffered there because of the joy he was looking forward to. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he put up with the attacks from sinners. So think about it. Then you won't get tired and you won't lose hope. He is the author and the perfecter. He is the one. That's why at the end of just about every Sunday, the closing prayer, that I, I talk about us as we move through the week looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why? Because it's so easy sometimes to have a moment and say, thank you, Lord, for that fresh breath. I've got it from here. And he's the one who begins it, and he's the one that ends it. He's the one who, who starts it, and he's the one who carries it all the way through to completion. And we have to stay connected with him, not just in these moments, just not just when we gather together as a church family, not just in our small groups, but in our daily lives. That's where real formation happens. Philippians chapter 1, verse 4 says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is telling them, not for them, hey, you need to be confident that he's going to complete it. No, Paul, who is sitting back, who has an outside view, he says, I'm confident. When I'm praying for you, I'm confident that he who began a good work is gonna be faithful to complete it. Folks, that's why we need uh, a family of people in our lives because sometimes the pain, sometimes the frustration, sometimes the stuff going on in our lives is too big for us to see the big picture, and we need somebody to come along and put their arm around us and say, I get it, it's a tough day, it's a tough week, it's a tough year, but you know what? I'm confident that he who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it and to help coach you along and move you along, and sometimes whenever our our faith tank is running a on empty, that encouragement from the body of Christ gives us an infusion of God faith in our lives. And 1 Peter 1.15 says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. That is where he is moving to. And you know what? I get it that that can be a very intimidating little passage of scripture be holy because I am holy. But to me, it's exciting because when God says something be, it is. Light didn't have to make itself shine. He says, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let there be, and there was. If he is speaking to you, if he is speaking to that thing that was without form and void, and says, let there be Then if he's saying, be holy, then let him bring the holiness about. Let him do it. He's the one who's speaking the words. Let him be the one who's doing that. I love the way the message translation puts it. It says, as obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into the way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. It is him and connecting with his life that brings that kind of life and holiness into our lives. See, our bottom line this morning is this, that God-formed lives end up as God-formed lives. When we let him form us, he shapes us into his image. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.